Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Making Sense podcast. How are you guys? Good, 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 good. And we have a very special guest with us today. Introduce yourself. Hi everybody, my name's Belle Rabira Adi. I am Chief of Staff and Political Advisor to the Shadow Home Secretary, Diane Abbott MP. A steering committee member on ACAN, which is the African Caribbean Society Network. Uh, all the alumni of African Caribbean societies uh, mm-hmm. in the country. And I'm part of a network called Global Generation Africa. Okay. And that is um, young people, um, well, relatively young. We're a little <laughs> bit older now than we used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, 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 hey. In different countries. <laughs> Forever young in it, please. <laughs> different countries across Africa and actually the diaspora. So okay. um, a lot of people of African origin across Europe and um different countries so it literally all over africa mm. it's it's a really fantastic network and um so when you travel it's, it's it's always good to link up to people and they're always able to you know let you what was going on we're, we're looking forward to more projects so we'll see how that goes on okay wicked 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 cool. so what we're we talking about today we are talking about a topic that i found extremely interesting mm-hmm. to research as you've been listening to mm-hmm. in the background <laughs> uh, but we're going to be covering the african continental trade agreement or area as i've heard it referred to and essentially, it's a trade agreement between the countries of, of Africa, of the African continent. Um, and there's been some quite a bit of development as of late. Um, so I can't remember where I heard it, to be honest. I think I was just cruising a couple of YouTube videos, uh, one by someone from the World, uh, African Development Bank, actually. And he was speaking about it. Mm-hmm. And that kind of got me looking into one thing, led to another, led to another, led to another. Uh, and that's when I kind of thought, you know, Bilal, it'd be great to have on this episode. Um, and there's a few things, you know, I want to talk about that in terms of how it could help um, development in Africa and help Africa become, you know, what we all want it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, Wakanda. Exactly, right? <laughs> Let's be honest. As trivial as it sounds, I think that was a key part that it was a, a way of seeing Africa that many people, especially from Caribbean and America, have never seen mm. and, and were grown up thinking was impossible to yep. see. Yep. Right, because Africa is supposed to be this uncivilized place of poverty. That's what we were told. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's you know we're actually seeing real life steps where it could happen, uh, and I just think it's interesting for us to know uh, and to see how Africa make, can, could develop because yeah. we could be witnessing the start of history. Who knows? Um, so yeah, so that's you know I'll touch on a few things: the African Union, the African Development Development Bank, mm-hmm. then a little bit more about the Continental Trade Agreement. Then I kind of want to have a brief discussion on how the diaspora from different parts of the world yeah. view Africa and engage with Africa. Uh, simply because I, it felt that a common theme was reaching back out to the diaspora yeah, yeah. because we've lived in these Western countries have benefited from you know education and whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And we feel that, or many people feel that we can go back to Africa with the skills and help them develop. Yeah. If that can happen, I've seen arguments to, or potential stumbling blocks. I don't think it's going to be all gravy, mm. but it's definitely an interesting conversation. Yeah, yeah. So I just wanted to see how you know, that is, that view is and compare and contrast between that, the people from the Caribbean and America and people like yourself that mm-hmm. are from African parents. Yeah. Um, you know, do we really know what it's like to be African or do we have this kind of fairy tale idea yeah. in our heads? Yeah. That's yeah. kind of what I want to discuss. Um, mm. So, yeah, you want to start with the disclaimer quickly and then yes. we can go into it. Um, as usual, please remember that everything we say and all the information we give you is researched and it's food for thought. Please always do your own research, facts, check everything. Do your Googles, make sure that you are getting the correct information before you sign up to anything or basically just say something is fact. So yeah, just just do your due diligence before giving information, quote information, signing up to anything, acting like a professional, an expert, etc. 
So, where to start? So, I'll give the you what I've known. African oh. continental free trade area. Okay, that's a mouthful. Are you going to say that like, every single time that you're going to talk about it? Maybe, <laughs> I, maybe I'll just call it, the tr- I don't know, continental free trade, yeah. uh, trade agreement. Let me just call it trade okay. agreement. So, so when you hear me say trade agreement, I'm talking about the trade agreement in Africa, the continental African yeah. or whatever. What it's, is it? It is a bit too long, right? Um, so essentially what it is, um, it's kind of something being brought forth by the African Union, which all that is, to make it really simple, is the EU in Africa. Made of 55 um, member states uh, on, the, on the continent. Actually, are there states outside of the continent? I don't think so. I think there's some non-African states in the, tre- in the free trade agreement. But in not the in the AU. AU. In this in this particular free trade agreement. Yeah, I believe which, which countries? I'm not entirely sure, but I feel like there's some I'm pretty sure there's some non African nations okay. that are also included in it. Similar to the the common the customs yeah, union customs in the EU. Union. It's not all European countries. There's no. some that are outside of the EU. Okay. I'm not but I'll, I'll fact check that one. Um but essentially the AU is essentially the EU in Africa yeah. made of 55 member states and that kind of took over from something known as the you might be aware of this one what is it the Organization of African Unity OAU set up by Kwame Nkrumah indeed the name of one of my favourite songs this is Belavia's film I'm a big Nkrumahist and that's why and that's why I really wanted you on because this is kind of stuff I'm just now learning and I wanted to speak to someone who probably knows it and has lived it a bit you know to understand what it really is yeah um so my my somewhat brief uh research might be overshadowed by Belavi's actual knowledge but you know don't judge me too much man no, um, it so might be overshadowed by my opinions more so ah, opinions. that's why you're here that's why you're here so that was set up what in 1963 and ended in 99 and was taken over by the au mm-hmm. so quickly so what's kind of your view of the au or had what, what would you say of it thing is that that Obviously, it w- it was started a long time ago, and I know the easiest way to explain um, these African free trade agreements or the AU's free trade agreement is to compare it to the EU. But actually, it was Africa's ideas first. Really? And I know there's a lot of we had it first in Africa, but no, this one is true <laughs> because that's what Kwame Nkrumah wanted to create, um, and and African states that traded with each other and actually had one common currency as well. Mm. And um, obviously, you can see how that brought a lot of suspicion around the world, um, particularly from America. And my main concern about this particular free trade agreement is that it's been overseen by the UN. Now, I understand why, mm. but then who is the UN controlled by? Yeah, indeed. Again, mm. it's it's America. So we just need to be careful. I remember a few years back, I was part of a... Um, this is when the AU and the EU had a conference and as well as the actual member states and the heads of government, they had a youth version of it. Yeah. Okay. And um, so I got to be a delegate for the youth version. So I was one of the people that got to go from the UK. There were three of us yeah. and we went. And whilst they were negotiating, we were negotiating, I suppose, but not not for real, obviously, because yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> we were the youth. But, you know, we got to have our little own little declaration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, one of the things we were quite adamant about because all these these youth activists we were like we've got to make sure that um the the au don't accept this these these horrible trade partnerships that the eu were trying to put forward mm. and then they as an au rejected it but and i was like wow this is fantastic yes they've listened to us well obviously yeah. <laughs> we we're like yeah but then Every single country, including Ghana and Nigeria, actually went off to different EU states and made their own little trade deals. So mm. together, we came together and on principle, Africa, like, we're not going to do that because you're going to, you know, you're going to mess up. So, and they were really, really poor trade deals, poor deals, poor deals. Mm. But they all went off and made their own individual ones. And one of those reasons, again, 
um, leftover things from colonialism aid. Mm. And I know most Western governments will tell you that they don't include trade deals and don't link them to aid, but that's not realistic. Mm. So maybe at some points people would have thought, or countries would have thought, if we don't do these particular deals, we're going to find ourselves in trouble. So they started on, you know, let's say a newer version of what Nkrumah had attempted about two years ago and people started to sign up and that and that's been fantastic mm. yeah but as i said the oversight who's looking over it mm. this is this is a bit of an issue i'm a little bit concerned that it could be i don't think contaminated is the word ah. but <laughs> influenced influence influence is the word influence sorry i've got a cold so i'm thinking of those things but influence and <laughs> unduly influence that is that's going to be an issue and actually we need to think about how and not in, even in a negative way, how deliberately Africa has been underdeveloped. Got you, got you. So this free trade, and it's calling for what the EU had, free movement of goods, goods free yeah. movement of people, free yeah. movement of services. Removal of tariffs, which is a big tariffs, thing. Tariffs, yeah, massive thing. Except it's very difficult to travel between African countries. Yeah, that's And when I, I tell heard. people that, they're like, what do yeah. you mean? And I, actually, I know this is the same for the Caribbean as well. It's ridiculous. It's actually cheaper in some instances to fly back to the to West Europe, yeah. Yeah, to get the... F- yeah. yeah. I listened to quite a few podcasts where people were talking about that. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, it's very hard really, to move really both people and goods between mm. very, like African countries that are very close to one yeah. another. Yeah. It might take you ages to get these visas and blah, blah, blah. Mm. And, and the way I see it, and I, I always look at it from a lens of, from the outside almost, because I've not been to mm. Sub-Saharan Africa yet. Hope to fix that soon. Yay. But it's just massively inefficient. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the pr- these prices, my friend, if they were cheaper, I'd be ah, there regularly. See, we can come on to that as well. Yeah. Because again, I think that's another deliberate thing. Now think, who does it benefit the most if we don't speak to each other? Yeah. Yeah. And this is not yeah. me being a conspiracy theorist, but do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's things have been deliberately left undeveloped. You think of all the aid that has been pumped into countries, but where, where has it gone? It hasn't gone into building infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You'd think that um, building better roads and better interconne- interconnectivity will be better for everyone. Unfortunately, these things always seem to be left behind, even after all of the years. And you know it's possible because you look at somewhere like Dubai. Mm. Yeah. Look yeah. at that. You put enough investment into something, yeah, you can yeah, see yeah. how you know p- infrastructure can just be built up everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. But why, with equal amounts of money and investment coming from outside of outside of the, these countries are they not able to then interconnect and build better inf- infrastructure because mm. it benefits them we don't have better infrastructure which means that we're continuously sending our raw materials to the west Massive to problem. be processed and made and then sold back, back to us yeah. at a higher yeah. price yeah. so what Bilavi is saying there so in terms of like value chains or just generating money most of the money or value is added by va- adding value so it's not just the raw material it's turning that raw material into something I can use yeah. today yeah. and that's the issue with Africa we have the raw materials but we don't have the infrastructure, the know-how, whatever you want to call it, mm. to make it that finished good, you know? So yeah. a cocoa bean isn't worth as much as a bar of chocolate. Yeah, yeah. If yeah. you know what I mean? Because you can add on that service, that margin, your packaging, whatever, whatever. The raw material, I buy it in bulk, da 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 So I've, I've recognised or heard that being a common problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what kind of made me optimistic about, I know some of the, the uh, loan deals with China are going to be exploitative, if that's even the correct word. Yeah. But... I think what made me optimistic about them was the fact they were going towards infrastructure. Yeah. Now, yeah. is that infrastructure going to be useful? Is it being built in the right way? Is it going to last? Yeah. Those are questions we need to ask. But the fact that we're getting infrastructure felt like, okay, if that's a big, massive problem that I've been hearing since I was young, surely that's a 
good a good thing, thing or getting something meaningful, it might not be perfect actually make a difference yeah it might yeah. not be perfect but it gets us a step forward yeah, yeah. with you the know? chinese definitely i think their approach to africa is slightly different mm. i mean they still want to get something out of it mm. they can see how they can get something out just like the the west did but they they want to get the maximum out of it and not they're not so invested in keeping africa, africa at a certain level yeah. Yeah. yeah to them they're like why not build a better road? It will be easier for me to get the cocoa down to exactly. the port. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? Exactly. Whereas Belt and Road, a big thing for them. Yeah. Whereas the West has been more like, let's just keep that over there. It's mm-hmm. going to take you a long time to bring it down. Doesn't matter. It's fine. We're controlling the prices anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And that's, and, I, and I've always, my opinion of it is, is, okay, if we have another source of funds coming from China, I say it's not going to be perfect. But, you know, and for one thing I've heard is the Chinese have definitely targeted places where America and the UK and the EU already are. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're offering countries that normally depend on the EU and America mm. an alternative, alternative source of funding. Yeah, yeah. Which in my, just with my business head on, that that makes gives you more choice in the yeah, market now. Yeah, yeah. If, if America knows, okay, these Africans don't have to depend on me my money, they can go to China and the China are ripping them off but not as badly as I am, maybe America need to readjust exactly. how they engage with yep, Africa. Yep, M- absolutely. And with the trade tension between those two, that's going to be added pressure. Mm, so I think mm. how I look at it is, okay, America and China are beefing. They both need Africa mm. right now. We need to try and find a way to play them off against each other yeah. and the EU as well. All three of them are arguing with each other in one way or another. How can we play the middleman? Because we have the resources they need. Yeah. We have the youth economy that they want to exploit. They want to turn Africa into the next warehouse or the next China in terms of production because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. we have so many young people that need jobs. And I think that's what people think China are trying to do. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, they probably are. How can we exploit that? Even if it's not as much as them, but enough for us to progress. Yeah, I think we have to look oh, at what possible, options we have. Mm-hmm. Do we, the West or China? You need to pick the best out of those two. And it mm. might be different for different things. It's exactly. like, yeah. Exactly. But I suppose we have to do it with our, our nations in, with the whole, with the whole continent in mind. One of the problems is our leaders. Yeah. Mm. Now, obviously, I'm not going to, and it'll be very, very clear, people in this country and the West are as as corrupt as African politicians. The way I see it is when African politicians are corrupt, I think they're just very African about it. Yeah, yeah, In the same way where we speak louder. We're loud about it. We're loud about it. We're loud about it. That's just what it is. It's not, it's not a a measure of good or bad or how, who's worse or who's better. It's just the way it's portrayed. And I think until we get to, until we get to a point where leaders are doing things for their countries, and not thinking about themselves or not corruptible in that sense, mm-hmm. this is going to be an issue because we could easily play them all off against each other. Think of the two largest cocoa producers in in Africa, actually, uh, Ghana and Cote d'Ivoire. Okay. Mm. If they just banded together and said, this is how much we're going to sell cocoa for, what could anybody else tell yeah. us? That would yeah. be the price of cocoa. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we'd have to maybe also join up with our our brothers and sisters in South America mm-hmm. and get them all to fix a cocoa price mm-hmm. and say, look, this is how much we're going to sell. What are you going to do about it? And then that would be it. Yeah. But because we're, we're people are able to make individual deals, not even necessarily with countries, but individuals to yeah. make sure things stay a certain way, yeah. mm-hmm. it's been hard to negotiate. So this is a brilliant step as long as it, it maintains, work, maintains, yeah, Africa maintains its independence mm-hmm. in doing it. Yeah. Yes. So quick, some quick cracks and figures about the, African Continental Free Trade Agreement. See, it's not that hard to say. So it was agreed in 2012, I believe, what I've, uh, and negotiations started in 2015. So just to give you in terms of scale, in terms of how long this has been going on. Mm. Um, 
it has been signed by 52 of the 55 member states um, and Nigeria, Eritrea and I can't remember the third country are yet to sign the agreement. Yeah, now, we'll touch on why Nigeria not signing it is an issue. Exactly. <laughs> so Nigeria, the biggest economy in Africa. Um, and the bits and pieces I've seen is the general concern is that Nigeria used trade tariffs uh, to protect their kind of their, their export, the main export being oil. And they're a big market, big economy. And the fear is that if they have just an f- open market with the rest of Africa, poorer nations will flood Nigeria with their cheaper products and services. So, so similar to the fear that people in this country have had, which has led to Brexit. Mm. And that's why another reason why this episode was so interesting to me, because in a backdrop of where, you know, big bodies like the EU are falling apart or seeming to come apart, yeah. it seems, and, and kind of global discourse is falling apart, Africa's trying to go the other way. Yeah, yeah. So in a time where the EU looks like it's coming apart, can the AU really integrate any further? And Bulawi's over there mashing up her mic. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, let me make sure you can still hear you. Um, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no. yeah. Cool. I'm just being lazy. Cool, yeah. So yeah, it's been signed by 52 of the 55. Nigeria haven't joined. That's made big news because I say they're the biggest economy. Now, from what I've heard from kind of Nigerian representatives and others, they have been involved in negotiation and planning. Mm-hmm. They just haven't signed yet. And the feeling I'm seeing, whether or not it's true or not, is that they will sign at some point. Uh, it feels to me they may be trying to hold out to get preferential terms. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, but what's your kind of view on that? I mean, that's no different from the UK. It's really sad that we've got to this position that we have with Brexit. Um, obviously, the EU wasn't perfect, but the UK was able to stomp its feet and actually get some preferential um, things through. So we don't actually have to sign up to every single thing that the EU has. For mm. example, we still have the pound. We don't have the euro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, We were allowed to, it wasn't until a certain time we were allowed to let all countries come to yep, be yep. able to travel as part of free movement so um we kind of like threw our toys out of the pram on mm-hmm. that one it wasn't it wasn't really that bad um and in the same way nigeria may be holding out for that mm-hmm. which makes sense they've got they've got a lot of cards to play being the biggest economy but then my biggest fear is that nigeria holding up because they can see what's wrong and i respect nigeria on this because and it's got to make you nervous overall because Nigerians don't mess with their money. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if they're holding exactly. out, we need to think why. Yeah. why. Yeah. And maybe even them holding out is going to help all of us get to a better, as in all of the African nation states, get to a better place. Better place um, and they may be trying to use their clout in some way to stop this interference from the outside, yeah, which might yeah, be very yeah, good. Yeah. So that was definitely one to watch out. It was definitely caught my attention, the fact that they weren't in it. Yeah. 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 You know, as you say, no coincidence they'll be the biggest economy you know a, a lot of uh, entrepreneurial spirit seems to come out of Nigeria mm. and you say they don't mess with their money, they don't mess with their money. Um, so I was thinking okay there might be something in that and, and the fact that they have been involved in negotiations as you say it might be the case of they're holding out to get a better deal mm. which ho- hopefully is better for everyone I think some people are thinking they're just looking after their own interests yeah. And there isn't a better deal, but that's what know. needs to be seen, right? Yeah, yeah. You never know. Um, some other facts for you. So once in place, this would bring together 1.2 billion people, which would be the biggest trade area in the world in terms of people. Mm-hmm. Um, the GDP, um, I saw quoted, was 2.5 trillion. Now, that's quite a lot. But mm. compared to the EU and America, it's not so much. I think America, England was around, not England. The EU was around 17 trillion, I believe, in terms of GDP recently. America quite similar. China actually 
on course to overtake both of them uh, by 2020, um, probably at around 20 trillion. So it's not the biggest in terms of uh, money, but, but it's, it could be. It could be. And that's the point I was going on to with the amount of people there. The fact that it's the biggest number of people mm. and with so much resources, it could be any number of things, right? Yeah. But that's it. It's the resources. So the only reason why it's currently, well, obviously it doesn't exist. So that's one reason why it's not um, contesting with them. But in terms of landmass, the amount it's meant to produce and everything, it could, if everything was fair and all trade was fair, it could get there very quickly. Because mm. when you think about it, um, thinking of the, the cost of the materials that are coming from Africa see everywhere grows agri- has agricultural goods mm. etc but then there's gold there's diamonds there's oil there's there's all of the crops yeah. Africa yeah. can so feed the world yeah but yeah. The, the America uh, and the EU and actually China to some extent are controlling the prices if we free ourselves from those from those price restrictions and actually are a bit more in control of what we're selling at yeah mm-hmm. Things would change very, very quickly. Yeah. But maybe some people would be killed. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Just <laughs> that is the reality of it, right? Yeah. There's a lot of people standing with a lot of money mm. if Africa was united. Yeah. yeah. And that's so that's my thing. Do we and I think this will you know, I think we've kind of covered generally what the AU is, what the free trade agreement is supposed to be. It's very as I compare it to the EU because that's what we live mm. in. But mm. it's good to know that Kwame Nkrumah dreamt of it before it happened, right? That's great to hear. Um, But we know what it is. It will just mean that Africans and African products uh, and services can travel around Africa a lot easier. And intra-African trade, which is another term you'll hear if you you research into this, which is as Africans doing business with other Africans, will increase. And will just make us more efficient, right? Because do we all need to be producing, I don't know, uh, let's call it uh, cocoa beans, Mm -hmm. if Mm -hmm. the best place to, to produce it is in Ghana? Yeah. and then we sell it as a we all benefit from that yeah. so yeah. Yeah. we can have you know go from having the raw material in Africa to having the finished good that might be made somewhere else in Africa because mm-hmm. that's where they have the expertise yeah. so we can take advantage of all our individual expertises or expertise instead of trying to do everything we can focus on what we do best our individual competitive uh, advantages and that can be our collective competitive advantage that seems to be how I, it would plan out in my head and mm-hmm. how it could be successful what I think is so, in, and this is why I definitely lean on you both. Really, culturally in Africa, what would need to happen or change for that to happen? Because as I say I very much think I look at Africa and very optimistically, mm-hmm. uh, and and just think we can do this, we can do this, we can do this. You know, I've met so many intelligent people from the continent. We have, you know, as you say, we have a youth economy. There's countries out here struggling because they're running out of people. Yeah. Japan, yeah, China, yeah. all these countries—they're running out of people. Yeah. We have the youngest, no matter yeah. all the hardships we've gone through we're still there we're still there in massive numbers imagine if we had infrastructure if we mm. had all our people in jobs being fed properly what would we be as a continent um so I, that's how i look at it what's the reality i feel like and this is i feel like mine's going to be so far removed from what it actually is and blavi will probably speak better on the actual facts but i feel like this is what has just been passed down i feel like there needs to be like a lack of greed yeah. there needs to be better education because it seems like the people are in power as soon as they do get a good deal it's kind of for themselves and their immediates mm-hmm. it's not filled through to support the whole country and i think that's the idea that if something good does get to africa then it's exploited by the people in charge and it doesn't even reach the people that need it so i think it's just a unity thing again i feel like that's what we need before we can move forward no i agree with you it is it, it's it's going to take a change in attitude mm-hmm. and when people talk it, it's almost as if we're behind in this attitude but i don't think that's the case um 
when you think about <laughs> Africa as a continent, obviously people will tell you stories of um, ancient stories. We had the first underground plumbing in mm. Africa. Oh, wow. uh, you know, obviously the, the building of the pyramids, mm. all these other mm. different things that show that Africa was advanced at some point and somewhere it stopped. Yeah, a lot of people, yeah. did, a lot of exploitation and things happened. And actually, when you look at when it comes down to it, a lot of divide and rule mm. and, and 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 tribal fighting, and obviously tribal fighting is not unknown across the rest of the world. I mean, look at um, the English and the Scottish and the English and the Irish. Yeah. It's not, yeah, yeah. 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 It, happens, it happens. It happens. But why has ours affected us in the way it has? And it's because there are loads of other people that stand to gain from yeah. it. And um, if we don't address that, we're going to have issues. But also, you know, Sam, Sam touched on a lot of greed. It's it's almost like something that's been instilled in us to get the shiniest thing possible yeah. at mm -hmm. all costs, yeah. forgetting mm -hmm. all others. Mm -hmm. yeah. yep. Yep. And we don't, for example, a Western person might think to themselves, I'm going to, and as, as I said before, everybody's just as corrupt as each other, across yeah. the world. but they might think, actually, if I build a road to this particular um, project, um, it's easier for me to, be corrupt and, yeah. and and steal but some of african attitudes are more like just be corrupt yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So, i mean there's yeah. no there's almost There's no actually, forward planning in corruption yeah. that's yeah. so strange no no yeah. no but yeah. that, that does sound strange to me too because that's a my kind of outside view is that is that the corruption in africa and definitely because we have corruption in jamaica as well yeah. that's a big thing for us um is that it's disorganized yeah. Yeah. like so western corruption might be okay i might chop 50 percent of what i can get and leave the other to, to make sure society still happens and I can just do business in an organized yeah, way. Yeah. Whereas it feels like in Africa and Jamaica, they chop everything they everything. can get. Yeah. Leave, the leave you know, no infrastructure for everyone else. So you have crime, you have all these kind of negative things, yeah. which probably makes their life harder. Harder, definitely, yeah. definitely. Because you've got all that money, but you've got nowhere to spend it because there's no infrastructure yeah. in your countries. Yeah. So then you hear these stories, your dad sends me videos all the time, of these politicians being found with billions of cash yeah. in their houses. Yeah. Yeah. What is the point if yeah. you're not enjoying it? Exactly. It'd be, probably be better for you if you spread some of that wealth and you had an infrastructure that you and your kids could enjoy. Mm -hmm. It sounds strange, but if your infrastructure was better, it'd be easier to teach. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's true. Exactly, it's true. exactly. It's true. And that's not being done. But that, that I suppose that is the world. Like you said, those attitudes need to need to change. But then I suppose our diaspora attitudes need to change as well. Go on, I because we nice. talked about um, um, how it is that others from the diaspora view the mm. continent. Yeah. Now, there's been a lot more talk, especially this year in Ghana's the year of return. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you know, saw Ghana was trending over Christmas. A lot mm. of celebrities yep, going yep, over, yep. encouraging people to come this year, using Ghana as a focal point. Mm to um on and and you know to 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 celebrate africans in the diaspora and our continued relationship and everything mm, mm. but one thing that seems to have happened is that people are coming into the country and they're spending a lot of money in private places oh. so okay. yes it's great that you know people are coming yeah. and and that's the thing you guys come we'll go to a restaurant mm. it's a privately owned restaurant mm. they may not be paying proper tax we'll mm. go to a hotel it's a privately owned hotel they may not be paying proper tax um you know people may make a bit of extra money if they're street sellers and they're selling stuff on the mm. side of the road but generally all of that new money that's coming in is not necessarily going into infrastructure infrastructure is getting better now that across new airport fantastic mm. it just i mean but that's just make it easier for people to get there and spend money in, in private, private places, so which how do doesn't then help people. How do we get around that? Yeah, so say so you want to be a conscious you, yeah. uh, traveler or spender, whatever you want to call it. 
Um, I suppose you try and look at more local things, but mm. even that is that is hard because of how things are organised. Yeah. So uh, it's hard to say, oh, go and stay in a local hotel. Mm. Because again... <laughs> <sorry>. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, it, it, it may not be your cup of tea. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah coming yeah. from coming from the west but actually there are there are so many different investment opportunities and things that people are trying to get involved in my only worry is that when people come and speak so i've been at a few different conferences and stuff talking mm. about diaspora and a lot of people talk about their skills and we're going to take our skills back and i get that but then at the same time it's not that there's a lack of skills there yeah it's just a lack of infrastructure to implement yeah. it i remember and hearing I, that that's yeah. quite humbling to hear it actually is, yeah and it, it sounds really I remember an argument i had with my cousin when I went to I went to Ghana for my grandma's 80th just after my after I finished my masters that was the last time anyone was going to pay for my plane ticket mm. so I extended my stay for two months <laughs> yeah. and enjoyed yeah enjoyed I got a bit of work experience but I wasn't really working mm. I was on a university campus most of the time living it up enjoying myself and you know one thing about Africa is people speak about politics all the time like mm. it's not like here we're less apathetic so I was getting into all of these political discussions going to the chop bars drinking spots mm. yeah. <laughs> and I was talking about we Ghanaians and we Ghanaians and we need to be doing this we need to be doing that and at one point my cousin just shut me down he's like we Ghanaians who he said you've come from your London and he said and I said well do you know I'm a gun he's like but you need to think about before you say certain things because you were able to afford a plane ticket to come here I was like well technically no I didn't pay for it (laughs) but you know somebody around me was able somebody was able to pay for it he's like think of what you get paid and I said but what I get paid equates to my bills and he said in Ghana it's absolutely different sometimes what people are paying to get to work is is more than their actual wage so you actually Mm. ask yourself wages don't go up um, and that, that's not a lack of skills. Education, uh, the universities are mm. fantastic, the highest level of education. But if there's not the infrastructure to to best use those things, if the hospitals aren't good enough, you find a lot of our best people leaving the continent yeah, and going yeah. to other places. I mean, when you think there are a lot of Ghanaian nurses mm. in this country. There are a lot of Ghanaian doctors in this country. The same with the US, mm. Germany, Italy. Um, it's a brain drain. Yeah. yeah so our best that's, and that's brightest are leaving but then you've got the diaspora saying i want to come and use my skills and really what the diaspora should be kind of doing is saying how can i make it so i don't know so people aren't how can i come and and leave and just contribute as another member of society not one that is better because Mm. we're not better that's another that's kind of colonialist i know it's hard for us to get away from that because of all the images we were given of Africa when we were younger, yeah, yeah. that it was primitive. And, you know, even when you go there and you see certain things happen, you'd be like, gosh, they don't have a tube. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everything would be sorted. Yeah, it's, it's different. It's it's, not. I don't know. I think for me, I think that, I don't think that would be so much of a concern for me mm. because I experienced that in Jamaica. Yeah. Like when my mum's side of family grew up, it was that. There was no running water and yeah, da 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 da. Yeah. That's what I grew up in. You know, okay, I went there like three or four times in my younger life. Mm-hmm. But, I'm used to that. So I don't, it wouldn't put me off as but much. You're used to that as a visitor. Yeah. Are you, can you settle like that when you've lived how many years? I think, in you, this I don't know, I think it wouldn't be easy. Mm. It definitely wouldn't be no, easy. I tell you, after a month, you're like, I'm gone every Christmas and I stay for a very, very long time. Well, three and a half weeks. By the time it gets to the end of the two days before I'm going to leave, something always happens that makes me think, yeah, it's, it's time, time to, to go, go home yeah, now. Yeah, I hear that. I but my parents have even said that. Yeah. And they were born and raised there. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's, so once again, my it's like, okay, I hear that, but let's weigh it up against the issues we face here, mm. which mm. are driving our desires to go back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
right? So am I going to be upset? Okay, I might have to wait a few years before there's proper running water and internet or whatever it may be, mm. reliable electricity. That's something we have in Jamaica, right? But I don't have to be otherized. I don't have to be stared at in a tube station mm. or I don't have to be profiled in a certain way because those are things we're running from. Yeah. So life isn't perfect, right? And that's kind of how, and I think that's maybe the spirit we need, that kind of proactive it's not great but we still move yeah i think it's like what bell said we have to think about how we can make the skills actually work and how can we actually access them Mm. over there rather than acting like we're going to take our skills over there i think that's what we need to start thinking about it's not simply oh i want to go there because i can do this because somebody already there can do it but it's just that there isn't the infrastructure to get them to where they need to be so how can we do that yeah Yeah. i spent some time doing international development and um one of the problems that's happened with development is it's now become a private business. When it was first started, it was called foreign aid and it was meant to be, a, you know, a means to an end, not the end in itself. It wasn't meant to be a constant system of um, the West giving Africa money. Mm-hmm. And I think that's it's become a problem because mm-hmm. it's, like I said, it's become linked to trade deals. There's all sorts of little things yeah. because we're becoming dependent in that way. Actually, by now, the amount of aid that's been pumped into those African countries, Caribbean countries and Asian countries, actually, they should have been able to build infrastructure. Why has that stopped? Why is it it's still Becky, Ben and Sue going over on a full wage, a full UK type Mm. wage to go and work in the aid projects? So I'm not saying that there shouldn't be any Westerners going to the aid projects, but I'm thinking of my work and the the organisations I valued the most, Mm. where when you go there, you saw one Westerner and they had employed local people. Yeah, if you don't employ yeah. local people to do these things, mm. they're the ones that are going to stay. That's where they pay their tax. Yep, yep. Um, and when they have more money, they're buying things and they're feeding into the economy. So constantly taking people from the West, I know it's a great experience for them. You've got to invest more in our people. Yeah, so if there's, yeah. if there's skills there, stop bringing people from outside. Mm. If it's that you want to send one person to train people or whatever, train yeah, them. Yeah, 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 and yeah, then yeah. let them, you know, each How one How do you make them one. self-efficient? That's it. Yeah. And that's what, I think has gone wrong with aid. So in that, we, we, we were looking at policy when I was doing the policy at, yeah. at getting, um, making people more self-sufficient. And a lot of aid companies, you know, you hear that, give a man a fish. No, I hated that saying. Day. Mm. I give hate him that a net. I don't know why. And I'm like, have they given them more nets yet? Yeah, so yeah. You, do you see what I mean? It's like, have you helped out with flood defences and things? Yeah. So I'm thinking about where there are natural disasters. In, in East Africa, there's droughts coming every year. Why have we not built the infrastructure to make sure that we're able to seed the crops from there. In in the Caribbean, it's the hurricanes. The hurricanes mm. come, they blow everything, aid companies go, they build some stuff. And I'm like, why are you not investing in in hurricane defense? defense. Yeah. 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 yeah, and yeah. weather defense, actually mm-hmm. that would mm-hmm. make it better. But it's more profitable not to-, to keep, Yeah, to keep going. To keep going. The Every Red year. Cross, the ha- Haiti, mm-hmm. what was it? Something, it was a good few billions of millions of pounds. Good few millions of pounds. They built like six, seven houses. Mm. So where did the money go? Yeah. Why have we got six people working for Oxfam, living in London, who are on six-figure salaries each? When you see the what people call poverty porn on TV of the little baby mm. and, you know, they're hungry, when you pay your five pounds or whatever, mm. you don't think it's going to pay someone a six-figure salary. Yeah. I'm not saying people should be pay, shouldn't be paid for, you know, doing good work over aid, but actually... If after all these years, your organizations haven't solved these problems and people are getting massive payouts or pay every year, I think to myself, you've turned it into a business yeah. and you're not actually helping anybody. No, yeah, no, no. Yeah. no I'd agree. I'd agree. Imagine those six, those six people, if you cut them, cut five of them out, 
how much money that would be that how could, much that could yeah. be one project yeah yeah stuff is so interesting like human nature and greed man it's crazy but um we cool. have to pause, pause. We'll I don't want to say continue. end we have to pause because um, I feel like we need to talk more about the diaspora and what definitely but one question I want to ask yeah. on this pause so in preparation for when we come back to finish this discussion because we will do you feel and I'll ask you both quickly mm. do you feel that members of the diaspora from the Caribbean and America are overly optimistic about Africa as I say look at Africa with rose tinted glasses and would you say that the diaspora that come from African parents are overly d- pessimistic because of the negative things they've heard from their parents I would say not overly pessimistic. However, it doesn't help when you've got parents, like I said, that will go there for a few weeks or a couple of months and then know so think it's time back. to get back <laughs> and, and refuel and go to the doctors mm. and get their medicine and all of that before they go back. Mm. So it's not overly pessimistic. I definitely feel like there's a way. However, seeing that from the older generation that were born and bred there, I think, I don't know how easy is this going to be if the people that, are from they don't actually want to be there mm-hmm. you know yourself Bill? and i wouldn't say that the um those from the caribbean and uh america are over optimistic but i think what it is is they're seeing they're seeing they're able to see africa properly for the first time mm-hmm. said so it's all about you know whether or not people are allowed to travel what we see on tv mm. people have become a bit more conscious about showing certain yeah. things yeah. and actually showing that you know, when we were younger, think about it, you would watch a program, maybe in Africa, they would land, you would see the sunset in the background and they would go to a village. Yeah. You wouldn't go through this airport, you wouldn't go through the city. Yeah, nothing would be concrete. Nothing would be yeah. concrete. Yeah. All of a sudden, and I'm just, it, that, that's changed. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. the biggest thing they hid from me personally, or I feel from Caribbeans, is the fact that many parts in Africa look exactly like Same. Jamaica. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But they hid that from us as well. Yeah. We, you would never, you never, we would never have believed it because we, when we see uh, the Caribbean, we see sandals. Mm, really? Yeah, we see sandals. That's what that's that's what we were shown. Mm. That's what all the adverts we we never we've never seen anything. Not even just that. That Mississippi. Look mm. at Mississippi. Some parts of Mississippi, some parts of Jamaica, some parts of Accra. They all look the same. Yeah, yeah. And when yeah. you really think about it, that, shouldn't surprise you because they're the same people, just yeah. in yeah. slightly different, different circumstances. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. So yeah, we will continue this conversation uh, about you know Africa, the diaspora. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Um, and I think it's important to know and how I link it back to your personal finances. There is a big drive to invest back home, invest in our home countries. I still think we need to know a little bit more about them before we put our money there. Because when I was younger, I heard about people doing this very thing that I want to do now and getting ripped off and blah, 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 blah. I don't think it's necessarily because the play, Africa or the Caribbean is bad. I just don't think they knew how to engage properly. Yeah, yeah. That's what I think it is. We can touch on men's gold as well. That's it's a whole. Okay, okay. cool. Well, we'll come All right. So yes, definitely answer that question we asked. That I just asked Sam and Bill, uh, and uh, tune in for our next our uh, continuation yes. of this one. Please continue to engage with us. We are on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Music, Stitcher, Castbox, all of that. Um, please interact with us on Twitter using the Making Sense PC hashtag um, Making Sense PC on Instagram and Twitter we'd love to hear from you and hear what your thoughts are and what we've discussed today thank you very very much for listening again and we will see you next week take care